You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to a New Year's Day edition of Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm here as always with David Ramil. It's time for this week's mailbag. We've got questions about if Justice Winslow and Goran Dragic can coexist and about James Johnson's value, but it's a new year. And so we'll start with this question from Belschnickel, formerly Recyclops, uh, just characters from The Office. That's what this dude does. It's his thing. Uh, the question is, what should the Miami Heat's New Year's resolution be as a team and as individual players? David, how would you want to tackle this? Uh, players first? Sure. Let's do that. Okay. So from an individual player's perspective, we were talking about this before we started recording. Obviously, we can't just give 15 different new you know players' resolutions. That could be a whole mailbag episode in and of itself. So we just vowed to take one individual player and assign a resolution to that player. So from my perspective, I took Dion Waiters. I chose Dion because he's coming back from injury soon, and we expect him to be in action maybe within the next week or so. It's hard to tell exactly when Eric Spolstra will decide that Dion is ready to play, but we feel that that moment is coming closer and closer. He's been practicing with the team, uh, was available and in a suit on Sunday against the Timberwolves, so his time is near. But my resolution for Dion was to make everybody remember the good times about Dion, because I, I feel like that's part of what's been missing for him. And maybe you could say that it's the injury. I think during the the 30-something games that he played in his second year with the team following his ankle surgery, he just wasn't the right player. Uh, he wasn't the same one that we had seen during that 31-10 and 10 stretch. Uh, and he wasn't even the same player that we'd seen in his last year with Oklahoma City, where he was a valuable contributor, a guy who could play versatile defense, who could ignite an offense. He just, he lacked any kind of spark whatsoever. And look, maybe we're a little partial to Dion. I think you and I are both big fans, obviously, but he's a guy who is a lot of fun to watch. And I think that's undeniable. He can be interesting. Maybe, maybe you shake your head a little bit um, at some of the shots he takes, but that's, you know, that confidence is fun and it's contagious. And I think this team plays better when Dion is engaged and feeling confidently about himself. And I think that's the kind of version of Dion that we'll see when he comes back. One, because, quite frankly, I don't think he cares injury, not injury, you know, starting, not starting. At this point, he, he sees himself, whether for better or for worse, as the best player on this team, and he wants to make an impact. I don't think he is so self-absorbed. Uh, it doesn't come from a bad place with Dion. It's just it really is an incredible, extreme confidence that he has in himself, and I think he he does believe that he can play alongside whomever's starting at the at the guard position, Justice Winslow, Goran Dragic, anybody, and he'll find a way to to make some kind of positive contribution. And I think we can all appreciate that about Dion. I'm glad you mentioned that. That confidence is sometimes misunderstood as being selfishness. A uh, friend of the program, Rohan Nankarni of Sports Illustrated, has written a couple of great feature profiles on Dion Waiters and has gotten to that point in both in both profiles. That, look, this is he, he, if you understood where Dion comes from, and it helps to read those pieces, it'll help you understand a little bit better, but that's where that confidence comes from. It's not selfishness. It's that he has to, he's had to have that confidence. Just to um, get to this point. Uh, 
Exactly. So, and it, and it coincides, his, his return coincides with the new year for the most part. And, and it's actually a nice little coincidence because a lot of people's, a lot of normal people's New Year's resolutions is to get in shape and do things like that. And for Deion Waiters, it's going to, he, you know, he spent some time in Sioux Falls to get into some five on five practices and get, get back into playing shape and doing things like that. We've already heard he's making uh, good progress. Yeah, that's a single shot in regards in to that. According to him. <laughs> according to him, yeah. So, uh, look, and that's going to be part of the process now when he gets back in Miami and starts playing games. It's not going to be a, a seamless transition. It, it might even be a little bit rough, especially as Miami is rolling here a little bit. Um, but it's going to be a transition worth going through, right? Because I do think Deion Waiters helps this team in a really big way, especially while Goran Dragic is Agreed. out. Um, my New Year's resolution is for Bam Adebayo. And I want Bam, in his second season now, go be more aggressive, Go get your own shot. You're really skilled. You're a really good player. Now, I know that plays aren't necessarily getting drawn up for you. When you are kind of a key cog in the offense, a lot of times it's out in the horn set. You're kind of dribble handoffing to a Tyler Johnson or Kelly Olenek or Josh Richardson or something like that. Don't be afraid to pull the ball down, do the fake dribble handoff, and go attack the basket. I mean, just like Kelly Olenek does, but if Bam does it with his speed and quickness and and vertical, which is leaps and bounds above what Kelly Olenek can do, not to take any away from Olenek, but it's just sort of like it's, it's a glimpse of what he could possibly be and what he could do in that offense. This is not an offense where if he's not, if if he's shooting, he's taking away shots from other guys that need shots. That that player doesn't exist on this roster, right? There is not a guy that he needs to be force-feeding the ball to. And so if you're Bam, you're just as capable and, and just as allowed to shoot as anybody else on this roster. So go ahead, get your shot. I mean, there's only been, in, in this season, uh, seven times where he's taken eight or more field goal attempts in the 35 games he's played. Unbelievable. And, and you know... Go take your shot. You, you, you say that, Joe, and as I'm hearing you, you absolutely make 100% of sense. And yet, I, I just don't know that this roster is built like this. Like, you, you kind of you get that sense in talking to these guys and watching them as closely as we have. And honestly, they may be as selfless a group as you could possibly put together. And maybe it's because so many of them, with the exception of Dwayne Wade, had to like claw just to get to this point. I mean, you look at James Johnson being tossed around from team to team and never really finding his footing. Tyler Johnson having to work his way up from Sioux Falls. Even Hassan, as irrational as he can be sometimes, I think there's part of what's driving him is is the fact that he's been so oft ignored over the course of his career. But anyway, there's this overall selflessness, and I think that rubs off even on a high lottery pick like Bam Adebayo where he just... I don't know that he does feel confident or, or you know comfortable taking his own shot as often as you might want him to, and as often as I do, to be honest. Because again, I agree with you 100. percent So it's I think that's yeah, the problem it, is that he's not comfortable, and I want his resolution to go <laughs> go out of your comfort zone. That's the only way you can stretch your comfort. Yeah, zone. I don't know that everybody else would hold it against him either. That's the interesting part is that he probably is like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to, I don't want to step on anybody's toes being the young one here. And it's like, no, dude, I, I think everybody would be totally cool with it. Like. I think everybody is really behind Josh taking a step up earlier in the season. I think everybody's behind Justice Winslow uh, and his emergence over the last few games. And I think everybody would be comfortable. In in a world where Dwayne Wade speaks early and often about wanting to be a role model for everybody and wanting to make sure that they're comfortable taking their next step in their evolution, Bam's growth and his resolution, the one that you have for him, would be perfectly aligned. I'm not so sure that we're going to see it, but I, I wish we would. 
Bam is only playing, you know, three or four fewer minutes than Whiteside is this season. Whiteside's averaging twice yeah, as many attempts say, yeah. as as Bam, and you know that's not even a that's not a shot against Whiteside. That's more of like Bam. You know, you you're putting you're logging in the minutes. Go ahead and get your shots. Only one player on the Heat is averaging more than fifteen field goal attempts a game. That's Josh Richardson. Uh, what's your team resolution? You're not going to like it, but for me, it's stay the course. Um, I, I think this <laughs> last few stretch of games has shown that uh, this team is fun and good more over than anything else. I mean, I like the fun part of it. I like the style of play. I like the intensity, something that we hadn't witnessed early on. Maybe it's just guys getting healthy or understanding their role a little bit more effectively. But uh, to me, it's been interesting to see this and uh, enjoyable. And I, I just, I really do want them to stay the course. Like I know everybody's like, oh, trade away this guy, trade away that guy. Um, these are people, these are people and friends that play together and they're, you know, they have a comfortable role playing alongside each other. Uh, I don't necessarily want to disrupt that. And I, again, I feel like this is a team that can play at a high level, not a title contending level, but then again, I think very few teams fit that definition. So I'm okay with this version of the team, as long as they continue to play at a, at a high level and at an intense level where they're fully engaged. My resolution for the team is to focus on the second half of 2019, not the first half. Don't get swept up in whatever this season is. I I agree with you. I've had a lot of fun watching this Heat team over the last couple of weeks. And specifically because guys, Justice Winslow, Bam Adebayo, Josh Richardson, the the young guys that we want to see get more responsibility and do more on this team are doing just that. And so that's just been enjoying. It's been a lot of fun to watch that. And so I I, I like that if that's the course, yes, I agree with you. Stay the course. Uh, but it's a forward-looking course. It's a course that looks forward to, all right, let's develop these guys. Let's make these guys better. Let's build around these guys. And we'll look towards what how we can improve, not only for the rest of the season, but really look forward to the, to the 2019-2020 season. I think the second half of this year, you're going to have an NBA draft that's going to be important. We, it's probably not going to be a top five pick, right? Barring something catastrophic, it's probably not going to be a top five pick. Might not even be a top ten pick. Th- this team might be picking in the middle of the lottery, or, or I'm sorry, in the middle of the first round. But it's still going to be an important pick. It's another asset that you can add, another young player who you can add. And given Miami's track record lately with the draft, they could find a good player anywhere between ten and forty. And so. They'll have an opportunity to do just that um, in June. I think the trade deadline coming up is going to be important. I think they do have to make some forward-looking moves, specifically probably trading Wayne Ellington, who's fallen out of the rotation. Just go get a second-round pick for him. You can get that. That is out there. Go do it. Um, send Ellington somewhere he wants to play, where he can play. Uh, I think everybody. I think that's a win-win for everybody. But um, look, I just that to me is don't get swept up in whatever this is. Don't let this become, you know, the end of the 2016 season where you think, all right, we're all good. We'll, we'll win a title with this or whatever the plan was. Um, just be a little bit more forward looking. That's my no, resolution. And, it, and it's a really good one. And I feel like, honestly, we could all kind of have that sort of patience because, I mean, if you had asked most fans in October, maybe even early November, obviously, uh, you would have said, oh, no, Justice slash Bustus should be traded right away. <laughs> Um, Richardson's just not going to take that leap. Bam, who knows what we're getting out of him. Uh, and, and, you know, somebody else, I think I saw this via Twitter, in a couple of years from now, you're going to have a much more favorable salary cap situation with most contracts coming off the books. And you'll have 
potentially two 20 points per game scorers and Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow and a really favorable contract and, and Bam Adebayo, all three of those under very favorable contracts and, and with more cap salary cap space. And then all of a sudden, in just a couple of seasons, you could have a really, 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 really good team primed for adding a, a superstar level free agent that can take this team into title contention. Let's get to this next question from Jeff and Claudia. They kind of answered the, asked the same question, so let's read both of them. Uh, why do so many people seem convinced that Point Justice and Goran Dragic can't coexist? Didn't Miami have Wade and LeBron running the point while a point guard still played? That point guard's name was Mario, Chalm- Mario Chalmers, by the way. That isn't even getting into the fact that Dragic has off-ball skills and experience. Then Claudia asks, Justice Winslow is getting better every day. He has turned into a really good point guard and our best player. My question is what happens when Goran comes back? Does he start? Does he come off the bench? Or do we trade him? So let's just let's use this as a springboard to talk about this. What happens when Goran Dragic comes back? What role should he play? Because one thing that Justice Winslow's emergence has proven is that he doesn't Goran Dragic doesn't have to be the only point guard on this roster and is no longer the only point guard on this roster, right? You know, it's an interesting one. Um, I, I personally, this is just my feeling, is that Goran will accept a role off the bench. I think he's more open at 30-some years uh, old to be a bench player. And I think he'll do that with the caveat that he'll opt out of his contract and renegotiate a longer-term deal, as we've talked about on a number of occasions. Uh, I think he's happy in Miami. I think he's comfortable here. I think it's also an eye-opening experience to see Dwayne Wade, still capable of putting up 20 points uh, on a given night, coming off the bench, uh, You know, one of the top three players uh, to play the shooting guard position, etc., um, and I think that has an impact on other guys to say, you know, well, the exception of his on white side to, to have, make an impact to say, you know what, I could accept any role. And I think Goran is more open to it. I think this team will probably be best served by having Josh continue to play as a starter. And Dion isn't going anywhere. Once he comes back, he's probably a better as a starter. And then playing alongside Justice Winslow probably makes more sense from a defensive standpoint. Now, Josh, I'm sorry, and now Goran coming off the bench, can play alongside Dwayne Wade, as he has in the past, can play alongside uh, Tyler Johnson, etc. And I think he'll probably continue to find a way to thrive in that role. He's not going to produce. I don't think he cares about it. Like, he's competitive. Obviously, he's very competitive. He's accomplished a great deal over his NBA career. He's accomplished everything he wanted in his Euro career. Um, he's not going to play internationally anymore, but he's happy now. And he's getting to a point where I think you're – you, you're older, you have a different perspective, uh, and I think I think he's at that place. That's me personally. I believe that he's capable of accepting a, a point guard role off the bench. I agree with you. And look, you, you've you been actually, you've been sort of predicting that eventually Dragic will be like the super six man off the bench for about a year now, I think. it's been, you've, you've kind of thrown that idea out there. I think this is the time. I think it specifically depends on what Deion Waiters looks like when he comes back. If Deion Waiters is in shape, his ankle is good, he is explosive, and he's hitting shots from the perimeter, and he's not shooting 30% from the field like he was last season, or 35%, whatever it was. Uh, if that De- if a good Deion Waiters comes back, if he looks good, you know, by the and he's got time, right? He's got a couple. He's gonna have like almost two months 
because Drakic isn't expected back from his uh, surgery until uh, uh, after the All-Star break at least. And it, it, Waiters is coming back sooner rather than later. So he's going to have time to get into playing shape. And then what he looks like when, when Drakic is healthy will determine which one of those two guys ends up starting. And I agree with you. Waiters, I think, in that unit is probably the better starter alongside Point Justice. If if Point if Justice Winslow is the point guard, which it seems like he is and ought to be, then you put you want a guy with a little bit more of off ball skills like Dion, uh, where he, where that's re- really where his value comes in. Um, I think that makes sense. And then you bring Goran off the bench to lead that bench unit. Really give Miami a, um, a huge advantage yeah. because if you've got Goran Dragic. And next to, like you said, Dwayne Wade, Tyler Johnson, doing these things um, off the bench, and, and you're bringing you know, Kelly Olenek alongside with them, Bam Adebayo's coming off the bench. You could play a really interesting, fast-paced game. You can bring Rodney Magruder off the bench. You take him out of the starting uh, lineup for Dion. It kind of looks like that 30-11 kind of drive-and-kick type of offense, possibly, mm-hmm. and, and that Dragic thrives in. You can... That makes a lot of sense to me as your second unit, and you can kind of even get like a more fast-paced second unit, which can sort of punch up uh, Miami's overall pace for the season, which I think would be valuable for them um, in the long term. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's where it goes. But And then in regards to the trade, I don't think... And look, I've gotten on this podcast a hundred times and said that they should trade Goran Dragic, and I, I think I'm still there just because you want to get the most value out of this roster as possible. And I do think that ultimately, if you can find the right thing for Dragic, I'm just, I'm a little, I'm more uncertain of that now that he's injured. I just don't know that there's a team out there that wants to trade for Dragic. If there's a Dragic trade, maybe it's in the summer with a sign and trade or somebody, he picks up the player option and somebody wants him on an expiring or something like that. I could see that. I don't think the trade's happening now, um, but I do think Justice's emergence as a point guard makes it something that, is an option for Miami where it really wasn't before, yeah. right? And I just I don't think that they're going to just push Dragic out the door. But if a team comes calling and they really want Dragic and the offer is good enough, at least that's an option. At least it's on the table. And if you're Pat Riley, then that's a good thing, right? Versatility, flexibility is not something that he's had for a little while. This is a little bit of that. Yeah, I, I can't. I think you know if Goran publicly and privately internally states that he's happy with whatever role they deem that he, he should have. Um, I, I can't imagine a world where he's traded either. And, and, you know, kind of tying together what, what you had said in our, in the first resolution question, you know, staying in the course makes a lot of sense. Look, if, if he's able to come off the bench and he renegotiates for a lesser deal, you know, you all of a sudden have a team that's much more potent, much more versatile, much more deep, than a lot of groups across the league. As potent as Golden State is, their depth is very limited. And not to compare the two teams, obviously, but it's the strength of Miami's rosters that you could have that much depth. And and that changes next year when Wayne Ellington is likely gone, when Roddy Magruder is likely gone, when Dwayne Wade will be retired. And then your backups are Tyler Johnson and Goran Dragic. Yep. And it's good to have that kind of experience and familiarity playing with one another. And, and it helps this team. You know, this isn't Toronto. This isn't Golden. I'm sorry. This isn't Boston that have built deep rosters through the draft. This is a team that's acquired these players in free agency for the most part, and and they've tried to, um, you know, build a, a roster that was inadvertently deeper than it probably should have been because you know it was supposed to have been playing around Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade and Dwayne Wade, excuse me. Um, but at the same time, now that you have this depth, why not make the most of it? Why not try to find a way to tilt? the odds in your favor and make you a really, really good team across the board. You can go 10 deep 
and continue to just beat up, beat up, beat up opponents. And I think that could be a strength, not just next year, but the year beyond that. All right, final question for part one of this week's mailbag. We'll have part two going up tomorrow. This one comes from Kevin. Do you think the Rockets would trade Brandon Knight for James Johnson? Basically a salary dump for the Heat. David, I think the Rockets would do it. Brandon Knight, has oh, yeah. the, he's gone up and down between the G League, just doesn't seem healthy when he has played the few you know minutes that he's played in Houston. Um, just look, they traded for Brandon Knight. They traded Ryan Anderson to Phoenix. It was a salary dump. It was to get off of the Ryan Anderson contract. It saved them quite a bit of salary this year, uh, especially a team in the luxury tax saved them even more. But it's not worked out for them. And I don't know that there was necessarily a high expectation that it would work out for them. They need guys who are 3 and D type players, who are versatile defenders. And James Johnson is exactly that and can give you a little bit of ball handling too, an outlet from James Harden and Chris Bosh, or Chris Bosh, Chris Paul. If they, if they need that outlet, James Johnson can provide that. I think James Johnson is a perfect fit in Houston. I think in a heartbeat that they would trade Brandon Knight for James Johnson. I don't think the Heat would do that. I think that the Heat would absolutely seek a first-round pick in exchange in addition to Brandon Knight. Um, I don't think that they would do it from Brandon Knight in a second-round pick. I think more than I look, the James Johnson contract's not great, and I do think that they probably should try to get off of it, and, and that would probably serve them better long-term, even though I love James Johnson's game. But he's a really important part of whatever this roster is right now. We talked about this in our recap of the Minnesota game. A big reason the Heat lost that game was because James Johnson was sick and wasn't playing. And they needed his versatility, especially next to a guy like Hassan Whiteside, where Kelly Olenek and Whiteside is a, is a clunky front court. It doesn't work. Same goes for Bam Adebayo playing next to Whiteside. James Johnson's versatility um, at that four spot makes the Whiteside minutes much better for this Heat team. And Whiteside isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So for that reason, I think that Heat need James Johnson. They don't have a guy on the roster like James Johnson. They don't. And... Um, and for that reason, I think they'd be reluctant to make that move unless, of course, the Rockets threw in a first-round pick, and then I think they'd have to seriously consider it. This is the danger in letting you answer questions first is that you answer it so perfectly. I can't disagree <laughs> with anything you just said. You summed it all up. I, I mean, like I have nothing left to add to that. You're, you nailed it completely. Houston absolutely would make the move because it, it adds some flexibility to that roster. I mean, he can shoot from outside. He can drive to the hoop, et cetera. He can pass, create plays. He actually does provide a lot of value. We've seen that. You know, there are questions about that when he's hurt and, and still rounding into form. But those questions weren't there during the that six-game stretch uh, where they won five games and almost knocked off the Raptors. And you start to see his incredible value. He's not going to be a, a superb talent that scores 20-plus points. He, he probably won't even score 20 points. But at the same time, he can shut down your Giannis Antetokounmpo. He can make things difficult for your Kawhi Leonard's. Uh, you know, he has that kind of defensive versatility that's such a high-value commodity in today's league. So, Especially for contending teams who could face the Kawhi Leonard's and the Kevin Durant's and the Giannis's and maybe an NBA Finals or Conference Finals series. James Johnson has even more value to those teams than teams like middling teams like Miami, too. That's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Locked on Heat on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. And leave us a rating or review while you're there. And make sure to uh, check in tomorrow for part two of our mailbag. We'll have some fun questions about Wayne Ellington. Um, and what his status on the, in the rotation is right now. Connect with us on Twitter at Locked on Heat or email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. 
And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.